Yesterday, most of the Levering family was outside as we were enjoying the beautiful spring day and decided it was a good day to clean out the flower beds and add some fresh mulch, and maybe some of you did that too. As we did that, it occurred to me that uh, this was the season that God set forth in the beginning. He, he established the seasons that said, he said the, of those seasons, they would never cease. This one is one that I love in particular because it's the season of new life. I would get down in the flower beds and remove the old dead and just pull it away. And in some cases, when I pulled the dead away, uh, underneath was new sprouts, new growth. Uh, Jesse Neisler and his team did a great job of uh, sprucing up the landscaping uh, around here at the building recently, and, and I'm sure it was much the same, uh, a time of removing the old and planting the new, and that's what I love about spring. I could do without the high pollen count and uh, all of that, but that too is a part of new life. It's part of the way God designed things. And as we think about this season, uh, it gets us excited, especially after this long, (laughs) difficult, arduous winter we've had. Uh, You could just tell people are excited to to be outside, to be enjoying the warmth of God's creation again. As we think about this season, I want to take you, and of course we celebrate the risen Lord every Sunday. That's the reason Christians gather on the first day of the week, uh, is because that's the day that changed everything. Uh, This morning, I want to take you back to the very first, first day of the week, as you probably surmised that I would do. Uh, But I want to tell you that uh, it started in a place uh, not of new life, but of a very recent death. We're going to be looking at Mark's account this morning. Mark chapter 16 is where we'll be as we look. Now, of course, all of the gospel accounts tell the story of Jesus' resurrection. Why would they not? It is uh, the one event that changed everything as we were, our family gathered around this morning to celebrate our Easter traditions Uh, We talked about that. Christianity is the one religion uh, whose founder still lives. All the others, uh, their founders are still in the grave. And that's what makes Resurrection Sunday so important. And so, as we celebrate the risen Lord, let us go to a place where you would not expect new life to be. Mark tells the story In this way, Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. The very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Uh, The first thing that we see is that they were in a terrible place. Tombs then were certainly not a place you desired to be. Jewish law restricted, prohibited being around or near the presence of the dead or a dead body. Uh, To even be near one or to have deceased meant that you were uh, 
uh, had to be separate from God, had to go through a period of cleansing. And so the tombs, or, or a tomb, was not a place where the people generally desired to be. In addition to being at the tomb, um, you understand that when you go to a place of the dead, uh, the mood could be somewhat somber. If you've been to the tomb to bring flowers to someone that you loved deeply. If, if you've been to the tomb for someone that you shouldn't be going to their tomb, they should be going to yours. If you've been to the tomb, you know that that can be a hard place. And uh, you can get rather... despairing about it. As you walk through a cemetery and you realize that one day too, you will be there. It's kind of depressing. There's a poem that was etched on a tombstone. It said very simply, As I am now, as you were, as you are now, so I once, I'm going to mess up this poem. <laughs> as you are now, so too once I, was I. And as I am now, so you shall be. So, just take a breath and follow me. And one, uh, one person put on the bottom of that, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. We understand that tombs are different places. They're not places of hope. They're not places of joy. They're not places where you, you gather and, and celebrate most often. And it was the same for the disciples, especially with Jesus. They did not expect to be here. They, they in their minds, had envisioned that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome, that Jesus was going to be a new king, a better king. They had watched him heal people. They had watched him raise people. They heard him call Lazarus, come out. But here they were, going to the place where all men go. And don't you know, as the the sunbeams crested over the horizon early that Sunday morning, they had to ask, how in the world did we end up here with Jesus? The scripture says they brought the spices. Now that was for a purpose. It was really, it, it wasn't just to prepare the body for burial. He had been buried. It was, it was to cover the body, to cover the odor of the smell and the decay that they would expect when they walked into the tomb. They they were expecting death. They were expecting an end. They were expecting to be overcome by that. As they walked to the tomb, don't you know, there wasn't much to be said. Except how? How could you, God? How could you? Why? Why? Why did this happen? 
They, just a week ago, weren't they laying down palm branches and, and pronouncing, Hosanna, Hosanna? How in just three short days did we go from the king to the tomb? Where was God in all of this? You see, they, they had been told by Jesus. If you look uh, eight chapters back to Mark chapter 8, Jesus was very clear that this was going to happen. It shouldn't have been a surprise. Verse 31 of Mark chapter 8, And he, Jesus, began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And Jesus was clear about this. He, he, he was clear that he was going to have to be killed, that he was going to be buried, that he was going to be raised. And yet, the disciples refused to hear this message. Look at verse 32. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter rebuking Jesus. Why? Because he didn't want to think of his teacher, his rabbi, his beloved friend being at the tomb. He couldn't accept it. He couldn't fathom it. And don't you know, as always, Jesus was right. And so putting their despair aside, they set out to honor Jesus one last time. But don't you know, their troubles were not over. We continue in Mark chapter 16, verse, thir- verse 3. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone? Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back, and it was very large. You see, the problem was that they needed that heavy stone moved. If you look into the description of first century tombs, this is kind of interesting, but uh, the the stone that they would use in these kind of tombs was, depending on the size of the tomb, somewhere between one and three tons. So imagine the weight roughly of an average size car. Of course, it was rolled, but they often had a, a... a little bit of a trench to hold the stone in. Uh, back to our uh, what the leverings we're doing yesterday, cleaning out the flower beds, we have some rock edging. And through the course of the year, wind and rain, some of those rocks settle and sink. And so in the process of, of refreshing the flower bed, I'll dig out the ones that have fallen over and kind of dig out a trench and re-fix uh, the rock and kind of hammer it in with a little rubber mallet. The principle is still the same on a much larger scale. They, they wanted that trench in there, that track in there, so the stone would roll. It wasn't meant to be moved. We know from other accounts there, there had been a Roman guard there. So they had this problem of this large obstacle in the way. The women weren't strong enough and the disciples weren't brave enough to move this stone. But, but this is kind of an interesting thing when you think about it, because why was this such a problem? I mean, was the stone at the tomb 
a problem for Jesus? It's kind of weird to think about, juxtapose these ideas. You know, here's Jesus. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's conquered the last obstacle, except, except this stone is kind of in the way. You know, do you imagine Jesus in the tomb kind of, hey guys, can somebody help me? No, that's, John says that Jesus was able to walk through the door. So it wasn't an obstacle for him. Why did the stone have to be rolled away? You see, the angel did what they couldn't do. The the angel rolled the stone away, but the stone was not moved to let Jesus out. That wasn't a problem for him. No, the stone was moved that the disciples might be let in. And why on earth would you want to let the disciples into a tomb, save for one reason, that tomb is empty. And they needed to see it, they needed to know it, and they needed to be assured of its promise. And you and I, in the same way, need to be reminded of it again and again. The stone was rolled away by God's holy messenger, not for Jesus to be let out, but that we all might see in, that we all might remember, that we all might hang on to that hope in Jesus Christ. Because by the way, that tomb's still empty. Nobody found or expected nobody. But on that Sunday morning, and, and every Sunday since then, skeptics have tried. Well, they've tried to explain away the resurrection. They've come up with theories. Even back then, they, tr- they spread lies and rumors. Some people today... Even people that would claim to be Christians, and Paul would say, how on earth can you claim to be a Christian if you don't believe in the resurrection? If there is no resurrection, Paul would say, your faith is futile. (laughs) There is no point in being here. There's no point in me doing this. If there is no resurrection. So may we look inside. I'm so grateful that God did what we couldn't do that Sunday morning. And I'm so grateful that even as we have challenges, sometimes we have obstacles in the way that distract us from from remembering the resurrection, that God still brings us back to the empty tomb again and again and again. And there was one more thing. There was something troubling. There was a troubling presence. We continue in Mark 16, verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, uh, who was crucified. (laughs) He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. The angel was certainly unexpected. We don't see or expect a presence, and certainly not the presence of God inside the tomb. But there he is, Matthew 
28 in Matthew's story, uh, virtually all of them recount that the angel says, do not be afraid, do not fear, do not be alarmed, Mark says. He's essentially saying to these women who come to the tomb, just, just calm down, which, by the way, if you're ever trying to calm someone down, in the history of things being calmed down, no one has ever been calmed down by saying the words calm down. But he's trying to, first of all, calm their fears about someone being inside the tomb. And second, calm their concerns about the body of the one that they expected inside the tomb not being inside the tomb. To remind them of the difference between what was and what is. Look again at verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 6. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. The angel called them back to just three short days ago. He was crucified. Yeah, yeah, I think we got that. I think they knew that. One of the gospel accounts said the disciples and all those that knew Jesus at his crucifixions stood at a distance and watched these things. They knew. Message received from Rome, from the Pharisees, from the teachers of the law, that if you follow Jesus, this is where that end leads. He was crucified. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, reminding them that Jesus was from an obscure town. He was known by really no one. He, he had parents that, that nobody knew. They were so poor, they, they brought the barest offering. And so he calls them back to where Jesus had come from and, and what Jesus had happened to Jesus. But then, then he points to not just the past, but he points them to where they are today. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. See the place, uh, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. May we understand the difference between the was and the is. It's easy in your life to get caught up in what was, in what has happened, in what used to be, in the troubles you went through, in the hardships you've experienced, in the hardships you went through, in the difficulties you've endured. If you haven't, at least the last year, you could say, I can, I can tell you about what was. But may we... May we not stay there in what was, but through the resurrection, may we remember what is and what will be. The angel reminds them of what was. Jesus was of Nazareth. He was crucified, but he is risen, and he is not here. And I don't know what you've been through in the last month, in the last year, But if you're in Christ, and you're a believer in the resurrection, and your faith is in Jesus, I want to gently ask you, 
to take your focus off what was and it says remember what is and what will be. So finally the angel gives them a a commission. He asks these women to do something. Verse 7, But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. The resurrection is our hope when we're in terrible places. It's our, pro- it's our promise when we endure troublesome problems. But despite their troubles, the women were invited to come and see. They were invited to come inside and see the place where he lay. And they were invited to come and see so that they would go and tell. They were invited to come and see so that they might go and tell. Now, on on any Sunday, we celebrate the risen Lord. On Easter Sunday, everybody wants to come and see. They want to be reminded again. That's my job. But that, that only meets us halfway. See, because the point was not just to come and see but come and see so that you might go and tell. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad you're here, here. I'm glad you're here, here. I'm glad you're here, over there, wherever you're, however you're here. I want to ask you this. Who are you going to tell about the risen Lord? See, you and I would not be here if those women had decided to stay at the empty tomb. It didn't. I mean, they could have set right camp right up there and just worshipped and praised God and, and enjoyed the favor of the Lord. He did it, yes, and just celebrate, you know, being his followers and, and, and knowing the victory. But, but they didn't stop there because the angel told them they couldn't. They had a commission not just to come and see, but to go and tell. And who, do they, who were they called to go and tell? Well, I love Mark's account because he tells it this way. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Now, all of the disciples, at least according to John, were hiding. we, We catch up with the disciples in a locked room that Jesus passed through the door. But you need to know that as Jesus was risen and he calls these women, to go tell, he wants them to to go and tell the disciples who doubted. The disciples who stood at a distance. The disciples who fell away. The disciples who fell asleep. He wants them to be reminded that Jesus kept his promise. And secondly, he calls out Peter. And why does he call out Peter? Well, see, the last time we've heard from Peter is eight chapters earlier, Mark chapter 8. If you want to turn there, this is uh, where Mark tells us the last time that 
Peter is on the scene. I'm sorry, uh, Mark chapter 14, excuse me. Mark chapter 14 is the last time we hear from Peter. Verse 72. This is the account of Peter denying Jesus. He had done it once, which was bad, but knowing Peter, he couldn't just stop there. He had to keep going. Denied him twice. Denied him the third time. And, and then the roast, rooster crowed. Immediately, the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Another gospel account says that Jesus looked straight at Peter. So somehow they were placed in a way where Jesus could see and knew the moment it had happened. Mark goes on to say, he broke down and wept. Poor Peter. He meant well, but Jesus was right again that he would indeed deny his friend. Can you imagine the guilt that Peter carried with the disciples? Can you imagine the shame that Peter held? I imagine in those days, very loquacious Peter was very quiet. You ever been in a place with Jesus where you sort of just cringe and weep? How could I have been so stupid? Why did I do that? What was I thinking? Maybe you've denied Jesus, maybe not by your words, but by your life. And maybe you're here this morning, or maybe you're watching online, and you, like Peter, feel beyond redemption. Easter Sunday is a tradition, but your heart's grown cold. Because you, like Peter, feel distant. We go to Resurrection Sunday. We go to Resurrection Sunday. And Peter has not left Jesus' heart. You go tell the disciples. And Peter. The resurrection offers hope for you too. But here's the reason why we need to share that hope, because there's probably a whole host of people that are at home this morning. A whole host of people that aren't watching online, because they've lost their hope. And one of the hardest things in the world is to watch someone lose their hope. And if you've lost your hope... I want to remind you, as Peter would, don't give up. 
Because Jesus didn't give up on me, and He's surely not going to give up on you. And if you know someone who's lost their hope, you need to go and to tell them that the tomb is still empty, that death has been conquered, and we need not fear any longer. So may we go and tell a troubled world of a beautiful promise at the tomb. Oh, it's easy to focus on our troubles, but may we not forget the promise of the resurrection, that Jesus fulfilled that last and greatest promise, that we might have hope, that death has been conquered. You know, this last year has been apparent to me there's a whole lot of people that are scared to death of dying. You know what that tells me? We as the church have a message to share. And we need to remind that world. Maybe we need to remind ourselves there are worse things than dying. No, because of the resurrection. <laughs> Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where is your sting? Ah, it's been taken away right there at the empty tomb. So a question for you. One last one. John chapter 11. John posed this question. This was not a question posed at the empty tomb, but this was a question posed before an empty tomb. It's the story of Lazarus. The story of Lazarus has some interesting familiarities with the story of Jesus' tomb, a foreshadowing, if you will. But before his friend, before he gets to the tomb of his friend, he had to go to the home of his sisters who were there in Bethany. Less than two miles from where Jesus had been. You see, Jesus could have made it. Jesus could have healed Lazarus. Jesus could have kept him out of the tomb. But he didn't. Now he delayed. He tarried. Until by the time he got there, he had already been long gone. Verse 21 of John 11. Martha said to Jesus, Lord... If you had been here, see, Martha's the details sister, and she calculated, and she knew who Jesus was, and she said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. 
And then I, then I imagine, this is just Toby imagining here, that Jesus comes very close. Excuse me, I'm going to break the holy blue tape here. Maybe. He gets very close to Martha. I mean, he's here. And he's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. But then, he gets right here. And he says, do you believe this? He calls Martha. As she looks in his eyes. Do you believe this? You see, the resurrection is a powerful promise, and Jesus promised it again and again and again. But it comes down to this, not whether he could do it, which he certainly did, but whether you will choose to believe it. Whether your hope will be there. Whether your, your courage will be there. Whether your eternity will be at the empty tomb. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Jesus asked the simple but powerful and profound question, do you believe this? Of course, of course, I'm here on Sunday morning. You see, that's, that's not it. You see, if you believe in a risen Lord, you live in a risen way. And you follow the, all of the commands of Jesus. Because if Jesus wasn't resurrected, then not much of what he said matters. But if Jesus came out of that tomb, everything he says matters. And so I ask you this morning, the Jesus question that he asked Martha before he raised Lazarus. Do you believe this? And are you willing to base your life and your eternity on that holy promise? Are you willing to leave here and live as Jesus called you to live because of the hope of the resurrection? If you don't believe in it, but you're ready to believe in it, or, or if you've lost your hope and you've forgotten your way, this morning, a, an, an invitation is going to be offered right now. And if you need to get to know the Jesus of these pages and to realign your life with him and your heart with him, if you're ready to know him, this morning we'd, we'd like to introduce you to him. And if you're ready to be obedient to him by believing and putting him on in baptism, we, we can help you with that this morning. So we're going to sing a song in just a minute. If you have that need to know Jesus or to get to know Jesus, uh, please, as we stand and sing, head to the back, and there will be some of our shepherds there to meet you, and they'll be there to receive you and, and to introduce you to Jesus and, and address whatever spiritual need. And if you've known Jesus but you felt like Peter and you've lost your hope, Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to turn around. Maybe you'd like our shepherds to pray with you. They'd be glad to do that as well. Whatever need you have this morning, may you bring it to the tomb. A terrible place, but a place because of Jesus that offers a lasting hope. If you have a need this morning, won't you come? Our shepherds will receive you at the back together as we stand and sing.